take your Bibles this morning and turn to 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5, please mark that in your Bibles. Turn back to 1 Timothy chapter 2. 1 Timothy chapter 2. Mark that in your Bibles, please. Turn to Romans chapter 13. Romans chapter 13. 1 John chapter 5. 1 Timothy chapter 2. And Romans chapter 13. I want to thank you so much for praying for Connie and me as we were on vacation. We traveled some 4,000 miles. That's a lot of seat time in the car. We were going to Breckenridge, Breckenridge, Colorado. If you know where Breckenridge is, there's kind of a triangle between Breckenridge and Colorado Springs and Denver. And so we did a lot of driving. Connie had messed up her knee right before we left, and so we knew we weren't going to get to do a lot of hiking and that kind of thing. And, and so, so we drove. And I was tasked with sitting behind the steering wheel. Now, I don't know if you've ever driven in mountains or not, but it can be challenging. A lot of hairpin turns and a lot of steep and, and uh, inclines and, and a lot of Rapid descent, just, just lots of stuff. But Connie's sitting over in the passenger seat, and she's taking pictures. And around every turn, she's taking another picture. I say, why are you taking so many pictures? She says, because I'm seeing something more beautiful. Now, I'm concentrating on the road, right? Amen. There was only one. Yeah, amen is right. <laughs> but there was only once when Connie said to me, Tom, would you move over just a little bit? You're getting too close to the end. But other than that, she was enjoying the scenery. Now, as I thought about that, I thought about how we're living in today's world. There's a lot for us to be concerned about. There are a lot of things that would grab our attention. There are a lot of things that would cause us to, to want to move over from the edge and, and, and even not go anyplace. There's, there's a lot out there. But if we'll look up and see the wonder of our God, we can experience a more beautiful picture of who he is and the truth that he is in control of all things. So it's a matter of looking down and looking around or looking up. This morning, I want us to grow together in our journey. Because it is indeed a journey. This world is not our home. I'm just passing through, right? right. right. And there are treasures laid up somewhere beyond the blue. I talked to my mom yesterday. I said, how you doing? She said, I'm just passing through. <laughs> I don't know what that meant, but that's what she said. And the reality is, for us as believers, we're only pilgrims and strangers here, right? We must understand that this is a temporary existence because once when we have seats our bodies and are present with the Lord, I has not seen nor ear heard, neither has entered in the heart of man the things that God has prepared for them to love him. Amen? Amen. And I am looking forward to that. But from here to there, I want to see God at work. <laughs> I want to walk by faith, not by sight. I want to be the kind of person that God wants me. 
Now, as we look at God's world, we understand that there are three institutions that God has divinely given to us. The first institution is the family. Found in Genesis chapter 2, God made Eve for Adam because he needed help. And men, you know we need help, right? And our wives are our helpmates. And so God looked around all the animals and found out that there wasn't anybody who could meet Adam's needs. And so he took out Adam a rib, made Eve and presented him, her to him. He had told them to be fruitful and multiply. And so they did. Cain and Abel and Seth, and I know there were other children, and we can read Genesis chapter 5, and we can see all the genealogies. God has instituted the home. And God, in Ephesians chapter 5, has likened the husband-wife relationship to that of his son in the church. This is important stuff. And we need to get it right, but that's a divine institution. God has also instituted the church. We could go to Acts chapter 2 and we could look at Pentecost. And there we could discover how there were those who were gathered together and God started to build a family for himself. And it was Jesus who said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail again. So this assembly was, we have God instituted. This isn't something we thought of. This is not something that we thought might be a good idea if we just kind of get together on Sundays. This is God's doing. And so we are here at God's design. Amen? Amen. And God has designed government for us. That's the third institution that he's given to us. Now, if you were to go back to Genesis, Genesis chapter 9, you would discover there that the flood is just ending and God said to Noah that there has to be accountability among mankind. That's God. And as you look through the Old Testament, you decide, <coughs> you discover pretty quickly that, that government's involved, right? You find the government of Egypt. You find the government that Joseph lived under. You find the government that Daniel lived under. And government is a divine institution that God has given to us so that we might live peaceable lives. Are you in Romans chapter 13? Romans chapter 13. Let me begin with verse 1, please. <coughs> Excuse me. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God. And those that exist, the governing authorities that exist, have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed. And those who resist will incur judgment. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval. For he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid. For he who does not bear the sword in vain, for he is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Therefore, one must be in subjection, submission. Not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. For because of this, you also pay taxes. For the authority
authorities are ministers of God attending to this very thing. Pay to all what is owed to them. Taxes to whom taxes are owed. Revenue to whom revenue is owed. Respect to whom respect is owed. Honor to whom honor is owed. Now in Paul's day, it was the Roman government. And you can see from this map that Rome constituted about 20% of the world at that time. It started out as a monarchy, then went to a republic, and in Paul's day it was becoming increasingly autocratic. That means that the governors were making all of the decisions. And Paul lived under that authority. And he writes to the believers in Rome, which was the center of the government, that they had a responsibility to those who were in authority. Now Paul lists here in Romans chapter 13 two responsibilities. The first responsibility is that they were to submit. Pustao is the Greek word. And it means to be underneath. To be an underservant. It means to recognize that there is someone who gives to us responsibilities that we are to fulfill in our lives. It's the word that Jesus used when Joseph and Mary came to the temple and found him teaching the authorities. And Joseph said to, to Jesus, Jesus, time to go. And Jesus said to Joseph that he would be willing to subject himself to them. It's the word that is used in 1 Corinthians 15 where it says that God has placed all things under his, Jesus Christ's feet. It's the word that's used in Ephesians chapter 5 where we believers are to submit ourselves to one another. Wives are to hupastao, submit themselves to their husbands, just as the church hupastao submits itself to Christ. Now we ought to recognize this because we have a number of examples in God's word. <coughs> Moses recognized the authority of Pharaoh. David understood Saul's place in his life. Joseph with Potiphar, as well as Pharaoh, was under his authority. Daniel! Daniel and his three Hebrew friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who pastao, in the Greek translation of the Old Testament, underneath the authority of Nebuchadnezzar, then when Daniel was thrown into the lion's den, he was under the authority of Cyrus. Now, the text tells us that those in authority are for our and we ought to thank God for them because God places them in authority so that we can live a quiet and peaceable life. And the text says that if we do what is required, we stop, oh, if we're under their authority, we're okay. I like traveling across Nebraska, Colorado. The speed limit is 75. <laughs> One of our days going out, we traveled over 700 miles in a day. And I was thankful for that 75 mile per hour. 
with joy. That was okay. You know why? Because I was doing 75. <laughs> Connie would say, Tom, you see that I'm troll up there? I said, don't matter. I'm doing 75. Amen. I wasn't worried about it. Because I was hoopastato. Now coming back into Iowa when the speed limit went down to 70, a little more difficult. But that's part of our responsibility, is it not? And the authority they give to us is for our benefit. And if we'll live under that authority, it's okay. We don't have anything to fear. And remember that it's God who sets that authority out. That's what the text says, right? The other thing we're supposed to do is pay taxes. Yippee! <laughs> April 15th, right? <clears throat> we shouldn't begrudge taxes. Wasn't it Jesus who sent Peter fishing and they pull out a coin? Pay the taxes. Wasn't it Jesus who was confronted by the religious officers saying, should we not disobey? And he took a coin and he said, render her Caesar the things that are Caesar and the God the things that are God. <laughs> Part of my responsibility. I think it interesting that our tax code did not begin until 1913 with the 16th Amendment. Now, there were taxes that were levied during the Civil War. But we are to pay taxes. So, in this relationship we have with the government, we are to submit and we are to pay taxes. Why? Because God said it, and he's the one who established it, and he's the one who put it together that way. It's okay. Now, go to 1 Timothy chapter 2. Verse 1. First of all, then, I urge you that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings, government, and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceable and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. Do you remember what we read back in Romans chapter 13? That we might live a life that is peaceable. Here in 1 Timothy, live a quiet life. We're supposed to pray for our government officials. I trust that you picked up a copy of the notes for this week. The questions, the discussion questions. Because of those notes, in those questions, I listed for you people who are in authority that we have to pray for. Our national officials, our state officials. I did not list our community officials. We should pray for them. Our county, we should, we should pray. It was said that one of the challenges in the 2012 election was the number of evangelicals did not vote. I wonder if any of those who did not vote pray. We need to pray. And I'd rather whine than pray. I'd rather get mad than pray. But none of that does any good because God tells me to pray. And frankly, if we lack wisdom, what do we do? We pray, right? 
asked from God to give us to all men liberally and afraid of not, and shall be given us. And let me tell you something, we need some wisdom, right? We need to pray and ask God to help us to know exactly what he would have us do. First John chapter 5. I gotta tell you. While we were on vacation, I couldn't shut it off. Sometimes I can't sometimes I can't. This kind of thing. I should never have turned on the television. I should never have watched CNN nor Fox News. Now I gravitate to one of those, but I should have done either one. Because I got it. I knew this message was coming. And I'd done some work on it. And I thought, how in the world am I going to encourage folks to be involved in the process that we have in this country for the institution that God has designed and put together? How, how am I going to do that with, with, with any positive hope? I read my quiet time. Didn't miss a day. And a week ago, today, last Sunday morning, I believe that was the day. It was on 1 John chapter 5. And God gave me just what I needed. Are you there? Verse 4. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Underline that, star it, commit it to memory, faith. Say that word with me, will you please? Faith. In our journey, we need to walk by faith, not by sight. For without faith it's impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a reward of them that diligently seek him. Faith! Faith, mighty faith, the chorus goes. The promises that looks to God above, laughs at impossibilities, and cries it shall be done. And cries it shall, it shall be done. And cries it shall be done. Laughs at impossibilities. And cries it shall be done. You thought I was going to fall off this, didn't you? <laughs> I'm just now getting used to all that. Faith. May, may, I, may I share with, thing, with you some things that I think will encourage you? Faith starts with the Father. Amen? Amen? Do you believe that God is in control? Amen. Do you believe that God has more choices than two? Amen. Do, do you believe that God will take care of his people? Amen. Do you believe that God can take care of his people in spite of everything that goes on around us? Do you really? Amen. That's the kind of God we have. That's the kind of Father we have. For our Heavenly Father knows what we have need of before we ever ask. Amen? Amen. Do you think that this election cycle took God by surprise? No. Yeah. Huh? It starts with the Father. And we can trust a sovereign God who is in control of all things. 
And according to what we read in Romans chapter 13, it's God who sets up governments and God who takes down governments. And it's all about God. One of the things that we did on vacation was attend a wedding of my nephew. I got to talk to my brother, Todd, who is in Indianapolis, involved in Fellowship Christian Athletes Ministry, also involved in the Sudan. And he was over there a year ago, and some of you were praying for him, and he got dungy fever, and came back and still has some residual from that. But I said, Todd, tell me what's going on in Sudan. He said, you know, it's bad over there. He said, the place where we go is overrun by rebels. The caretaker of the house where we stayed was taken out and dismembered in front of his family for the cost of Christ. I didn't tell you that to shock you. I told you that to tell you how good we got it. As bad as we think it is, it's not near that bad. But is God in control of the Sudan? Huh? The believers over there believe that. And that's the only way they make it through. Thankfully. Why? Because they're not looking around. They're looking up to see what God's going to do. The next place on their journey. Where's God going to take us? Starts with the Father. We must accept what's going on. Acceptance. It's tough for me. I don't like to accept things that I don't think are right. We'll get to truth later in the process. <laughs> but I can go back to Romans chapter 13 and I can read that it's God who is in control of the Father and I can accept what my Father has for me. Amen. Amen. Whatever that is. Why? Because He is in control and it's for my good and for His glory. Do you believe that? and frankly, maybe some of us need to be shaken in order to understand what it's going to take to conform ourselves to Jesus Christ. We get pretty comfortable. We must understand that our lives are to be an investment. Our lives are to be an investment. That's why we're here. We're not here to enjoy things. We're not here to be comfortable. We are here to invest our lives for the honor and glory of our God. Do you believe that? Yeah, maybe. True. I love to read 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing and everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. We are here to invest our lives in the glory of God. That's what it's all about. I'm not here to make it through retirement so that I can get up at the crack of eight every morning. I'm here to invest my life for the cause of Christ. I'll have an opportunity to rest when I get to glory. It's all about truth. It's all about truth, right? You may be sitting there and thinking about what Peter said. 
We ought to obey God rather than man. Now, Peter didn't say that. You find it in Acts chapter 6, Acts chapter 5. But Peter was arrested for preaching the gospel. They told him not to preach the gospel anymore. And he said, I'm not going to give up the gospel. We do not find that Peter wrestled with the authorities as they arrested him. We never find that. We, we never find, except where Peter took the sword and cut off the, the ear of the high priest and the guard. And Jesus said, put it away. I'm going to heal that thing. You shouldn't do that. Paul and Silas, when they were arrested, what, what did they do? They said, praise God, we're here for the truth. And they sang praises at midnight in that Philippian jail. Folks, it's all about the truth. And God's truth never changes. And we can depend upon His truth to meet our needs. Amen? Amen. Sanctify them, Jesus said, through thy word, thy word is true. I'm so thankful for the truth of the will of God, of the word of God, because that's the only way I can keep saying that. You done any fact checking? Seen any Pinocchios? <laughs> truth. And the reality is he's coming again. Amen. Amen. Maybe morning, maybe noon, maybe evening, maybe <clears throat> soon. Jesus is coming again. And I am so thankful for that. But the grace of God, Titus 2, that brings salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly and righteously and godly in this present world. Looking for that blessing. And the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. I need to spend more time looking up than looking down. And as I journey in this world, I need to enjoy the scenery because God is in control. And even though I may feel I'm close to the edge, I can trust his driving. Connie, Man. did you ever hear any rocks slipping underneath our tires going over the <laughs> You can trust
Just because you may be a Republican or you may be a Democrat doesn't mean you're not Christian. Hmm? And when you vote your conscience, you need to look far enough ahead to determine the long term. dated October 18th and is entitled The Scandal of the Election. Let me read to you the next last paragraph. We need our faith back. Without it, we cannot stand. Without it, we cannot please God. Without it, we cannot grasp joy. He still counts our faith as righteousness. We live by faith. We love by faith. God foresaw the day and scheduled our births and our deaths within it. He entrusted us with the gospel and the gifting to share it. Imagine the great cloud of witnesses in Hebrews chapter 12. Wherefore, we're compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses out of Hebrews chapter 11. Imagine the great cloud of witnesses in Hebrews chapter 12 gathered in the unseen stadium to watch our generation run them, the race. Can you picture them cheering from the stands, Vote Trump! Vote Hillary! Vote somebody else! I think they tell us to valiantly run the race by faith. Drenched with hope because this race ends. 